Good morning. Welcome to our time of uh, daily word and prayer. This is Sunday morning, January 31st. I hope you'll be able to attend church today. I know here in Columbus, where I am, we're under a snow emergency. And so our church service is canceled this morning. But I, if, if I see here the Prezzi, uh, Prezzi, you are, I know live in San Diego, so your church shouldn't be snowed out today. And if you're in other parts of the country or the or the Terra family, I see you're down in Texas. I doubt you're snowed out either. So I hope you can attend church today, and uh, we'll be praying for our churches here in just a moment. would like to start with some, some sad news. Uh, <clears throat> for some of you who may know, our, um, boy, you know, I've had two good old friends pass away in this last week. It doesn't happen to me often. Um, and uh, just yesterday... Some of you may know Greg and Wendy Gill, and Wendy passed away. She's probably my age, probably 63 years old, and um, has been battling brain cancer for the last two years. And so Greg and Wendy helped us plant the church in Maryland. Greg went on to become a pastor, planted a church, or, or helped start a church up in um, North Baltimore, and has been very active in missions in India over the last number of years. India, and I believe Africa as well. And uh, they just a devoted Christian parents, servants of the Lord, raised wonderful kids, and um, our, our heart and our sympathy goes out to them. If you know the Gill family, and I know some of you on here do, uh, that probably comes as sad news to you. I only remember Wendy as someone always filled with joy, always smiling. The only time I didn't see her bubbling over with a smile was if she had a look of concern because someone else was suffering. And just a true godly woman will be very, very missed. This morning, and, and we do like to pray for churches, and I'd like to go to 1 Peter, and as we continue looking at 1 Peter, and I'd like to read beginning with verse 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. For, or because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, the writer Peter begins to get into some of our actions here. We've, we've laid this foundation. This is a book about Christians enduring times of suffering and persecution. The first half of the chapter, he's laid out the importance of the gospel and that we stand firm in the gospel. And here he reminds us to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. That, and this is what we must be reminded. Times of disappointment, times of uh, sadness, times of uh, where earthly, we're experienced earthly loss or earthly uh, disappointments, that we remind ourselves that we're to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. I've often compared it to a game and um, a, a sporting event. And, and uh, the truth is, rarely do people remember what the score was throughout the game the, game, the score that's remembered is the final score. The final score. And what we need to say, we, we had a team years ago, I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan, and we won a national championship about, I don't know, 14, well, 2003. And our coach would drive us nuts 
because he always planned to win at the end of the game. But his strategies throughout the game, sometimes you think, what are you doing? Why, you know, and he would often set him up, just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and we'd, and you know, not get first downs, and then late in the game, pass it for a touchdown, we'd win the game. Or he'd play the field position game. Or he'd do, he'd do all these things, and we'd think, why don't you just beat him? And the reality was he always strategized. It didn't matter where we were during the game. His strategy was always to be ahead at the end of the game. And sure enough, of our 14 wins that year, seven of them came in, in the last, a play, a winning play was made within the last minute of the game. That's what you and I are like, folks. We've got to remember, we've got to see the big picture. We've got to remember that sometimes during the game, we're going to be behind. In, in Psalms, David said, why do the wicked prosper? Why do, why do we not prosper? Lord, have I served you in vain? And then in Psalm 73, he said, and then I went into the house of the Lord and I perceived their end. And that's what we've always got to keep in mind, the end game. With us, the end game is when we stand before Jesus Christ, when we give an account of our lives, when we either hear him say, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, or he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. That's when we want to be winners, when we stand before our Lord and when we give an account and when we receive the salvation, when we experience, we've received the salvation now, but when we experience it and enter into that glory. But now he's giving these instructions. Fix your hope on that. Keep that in mind. The game's not over, folks. If you're suffering or having hardship or disappointment, the game's not over. Your life's not over. Keep that in mind, all right? And then he goes on to say, though, that in this time, as we fix our hope on the Lord, and as we keep our eyes on the prize, and we look forward to that day, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world determine how you're going to live your life, how you're going to, the values you're going to hold. Don't let the world determine how you're going to treat other people. Don't let other people determine how you're going to treat them. But rather, we're called, he says, like the Holy One who called you, be holy in all your behavior for or because you shall be holy, for I am holy, declares the Lord. I want to ask you for a moment, do you even know what it means to be, I mean, this word holy, I mean, we don't use it a whole lot. In some ways, it has a derogatory concept. People say, well, you don't want to be holier than thou, or he thinks they're holier than thou. And, and if holiness applied to God, we see it as a, a reverent, respectful uh, aspect of praise and worship. But do you think of holiness as regards to you or to me as a positive thing? Because sometimes, like I said, you know, it's, it's a put down. It's a put down. Who do you think you're holier than thou or something of that nature? But the Bible says you're to be holy. Now, I, I could, th this is one of my soapboxes that I really, really talk about a lot, and I'm going to have to restrain myself this morning for the sake of time. But I want to tell you something. You were not created to sin. 
People tell me all the time, oh, the sin is human. Well, I'll, I understand the point that humans do sin, and there's none of us that haven't. But you are created by God to be holy. You are created in the image of God. That's what we read in Genesis 1.27. He made us in his image. He is holy. He made us in his image to be like him. When we sin, we all say it, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when you and I sin, we're falling short of what God, of the image God created us to be. We're falling short of how God wants us to live. Some people take the theology that we're, that humanity's fallen, that we're all fallen and that we've all sinned to imply that God wants us to sin or that, that God's okay with our sin or that God, that, you know, no, God created you to be holy like he's holy. He created you to be like himself. What an astonishing thing. What a high calling. Sometimes we ask, well, why should I resist sin or resist temptation and live a holy life or a pure, good, godly, upright, moral life? Why should I do that? Sometimes, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be judged. Or I don't want to fall short. or I don't want to get caught or all these motives. No, the biggest motive is kind of that, well, that's who you were created to be. When you live a holy life, you're being what God made you to be. When you're living a sinful life, you're falling short of what God created you to be. He created you to share that glory, to, to be greater than an angel. That's what we're called to be. We've all fallen short, and so now we re read in Colossians 3, it says he is renovating us, restoring us. R Romans 8, 29, he's remaking us according to the very image of Christ. God is making us, we, we had it, we forfeited it, and by the grace of God and the redemption of the blood of Christ, he is recreating in us the very image of Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you today, you're supposed to be like God. Now, you're not omnipotent. You're not, you're not uh, omniscient. But you're to be holy like God. You're to have the character of God. You and I are to, when we say be holy like I'm holy, you and I are to love like God loves. We're to be good like God is good. We're to be kind like God is kind. We're to be moral and pure and upright like God is moral and pure and upright. What a high calling you have. This is the highest calling you could ever have. This is greater than being a king. This is greater than being a, a great executive or whatever. This is, we are called to be holy. Now, let me tell you one further thing before we go to prayer. We are living in a time of exposing of tremendous corruption. I'm sure you've seen it. I bet it's right before eyes. The big picture is right in front of us. Corruption this past week was exposed, Wall Street corruption was exposed in a big way this last week. And a lot of us, we're aware of corruption. We're, we're aware, you know, big guys, you know, rig things up there. But boy, did we see it this week like never before. And we've seen, and we, we know there's corruption in, in politics, in government. But boy, have we seen it in the last couple of months like never before. And, and some of these major institutions in our country, corruption is being exposed 
And it'll be interesting to see how our country, does our country tolerate it? Or does our country stand against it and require uh, integrity? But you know, the Bible says uh, judgment begins with the household of God. And we have seen in my lifetime a lot of corruption in the church. Now, of course, we're held to a higher standard. And something that the world does, uh, they get away with. We do it, it becomes a headline. But it seems as if God has been exposing corruption in the church. And, and we must pray as we pray for the churches on Sundays here. We pray for churches that have integrity. We pray that our churches would not, be, would not have corruption. For my ministry, and anyone who works for me, any interns that ever come by, I always tell them there's two things that could take my ministry down. I tell them three, actually. Three things. One, corruption, uh, uh, financial corruption. Two, uh, sexual corruption. Or three, that we, you know, we have some sort of, uh, we, we drive our van on campus. I tell them you drive real slow because we don't ever want to hit a student. Those are three things that could destroy, you know, our ministry. Financial sin, scan financial scandal, sexual scandal. Um, hitting someone on campus. These are three areas where, this is how the devil works. That's why we have, must have our guard up here. No compromise, no, no room whatsoever for us to, to be open to accusation in these areas. And so many churches have been brought down because of sexual scandal or because of financial scandal, and they're not holy and we're expected to live holy lives, and we are held to a higher standard as believers. And so today we want to pray for our churches, because we do pray at this, at this group. We're praying for revival and spiritual awakening in America. We are, we are at some crossroads, folks. We are, big things are happening in our nation. We, we're, like I said, Wall Street and election, all these things, big corruption is being exposed. Things are happening, and we need a spiritual awakening in our land. I'm reminded of Alex de Tocqueville, who, when he studied America in the 1800s, said he looked for the greatness of America. Was it in our, in our natural resources? No. Was it in our harbors? No. Our, our transport? No. He said, it wasn't until I walked into the churches and found the pulpits were aflame with righteousness that I found the secret to America's greatness. And I've been saying for the last four or five years, we will make America great again as, as we make America godly again. America will be great as America's godly. And if America ceases to be godly, America will cease to be great no matter what policies our government institutes. And so today we pray for our churches. We pray for our land to be godly again. We pray for revival in our land. Might it start with you and I? And might you and I be holy like the Father who called us? Might we be remade into the very image of our Lord Jesus Christ? Might we answer this call to be like him? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you today for the mercy we have found in Jesus Christ that we who, Lord, our, our original parents, Adam and Eve, as they, they were called, they were created in your image, and yet they forfeited it when they rebelled and they fell. And we, we Lord, we can look at them, but we must look at ourselves too, because we've all fallen. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed 
And Lord, some of us even have this wrong idea that it's intended that we're sinners or we're supposed to. You want us to be sinners. Lord, you called us to be holy. You call what a high calling that you want us to be like you. We thank you, Father. It, it, it just boggles our mind when we think you said you, that we should be holy as you're holy. That rather than be conformed to the world around us, the people around us, the, the, the sin around us, the, the lust, the corruption around us, you've called us instead to be like you, to fix our eyes on you. Remember how you said in 1 John 3 that what great love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. And then you went on to tell us that, that, um, we, that when we see you, we'll be like you. If we fix our hope on this, we will purify ourselves. We thank you, Jesus, the day's coming. The day's coming. It may be when we pass away. It may be when you return to earth. But one day, before long, we're going to see you. And when we see you, we'll be like you. This journey of sanctification and holiness will be completed. And we bless you. We thank you. Thank you, Father, for the way you're working in our lives to make us more like Christ. Thank you for the trials that come our way, the suffering that comes our way, that, that decouples us from the world and that keeps us from wanting to be conformed to the world and that shows us the, the, the futility and the, the, the lostness of the world. And, Father, we confess that sometimes when everything is comfortable, the world can seem kind of appealing. And it's those times of suffering that remind us that the world's passing away. And the world really doesn't have something to offer us. And as we decouple from that, as we learn not to be conformed, we're reminded that we're to be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. Lord, thank you again. You have called us to be like you. I pray that today we and our churches, and particularly we pray for our leaders, Lord, our Christian leaders, that we'd be holy, we'd be loving like you love, we'd be good like you're good, we'd be upright like you're upright. We would have the very Spirit of God flowing through us, controlling us, we'd be led by and controlled by the Spirit, and we'd walk by the Spirit. Father, we do pray today particularly for each of it, Lord, that you would protect us and our churches and our leaders from sin. I do pray, O oh God, protect, protect us and protect our, our leaders from any kind of scandal, any kind of temptation. Lord, I, I know the devil puts targets on Christian leaders. He wants to take them down with financial scandal, sexual scandal, or some sort of trap they never saw coming. And I know, Lord, so many of our leaders, they, they, Lord, I know me. I can be naive. I know we can believe the best. We, can, we, can, we project that uh, sincerity upon a person, and we don't realize, Lord, that they're, they're trying to trap. And I pray for our Christian leaders, Lord. I pray they'd not walk into traps. I pray they'd be wise and discerning. You protect us from evil people, Lord. 
You protect us from those who want to take down uh, our pastors. Protect them, Lord, from any kind of sexual temptations. Protect them, Lord, from financial uh, and any kind of to, to, to steal or to extort or to be a thief or anything of this nature. Protect them, Lord, from traps they don't even see. Protect their families, Lord. Protect the, our pastors, our leaders. Protect their wives, their children. Protect their wife and their children. Protect them, Lord, from all evil, we pray. We want to ask for this, Father. We, we pray today that our churches would be a flame of righteousness. And we pray that America would become great only because America has become godly again. This is our prayer, Lord, that America would become godly again. We think of that quote from de Tocqueville, that America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And so, Lord, we, we affirm that and we pray. We, we see goodness as godliness. Not just a humanistic or secular kindness, but rather the, uh, a, a humble fear of God, respect for God, a humble love for God, and a love for our fellow man. And that we would see our, our, our life calling to be like you. And we'd see the, the value of, of being like our God. And we pray for this spirit to, to fill our land. Lord, so many people are humanist. I think, Lord, even on campus, how often I hear people telling me that they don't need God to be good. That's probably the number one thing they tell me. They can be good without God. And, Lord, we become so self-righteous as a land. And as a humanist, we've become so self-righteous. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Help us to see that goodness begins at the foot of the cross. Goodness begins as we humble ourselves before God. Goodness begins as we become worshipers of God. No one can claim to be good if they treat their fellow man well, but they treat God terribly. Father, help us to understand that. Lord, we pray today for our, we know that our pulpits can never be a flame of righteousness if we aren't. Lord, you can't give what you don't have. And Lord, so we pray that our pastors would be on fire with righteousness, on fire with holiness, on fire with faith and with love and godly men for you. We pray, Lord, raise up an army. Raise up an army of people who the chains are broken, the chains of sin that would bind them. Raise up, Lord, raise us up on this very call this morning, this very live stream. Raise us up as, as a mighty army of, of holy, righteous, spiritual warriors who do battle for Almighty God and who prevail and that your kingdom, your gospel would be advancing through us. You'd be, that we'd be people, Lord, who, who bring light and goodness and love into our world as we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into our world. We pray for a great spiritual awakening, Lord. Raise up evangelists. Give, us, give the body of Christ boldness to, to speak the truth and bring great salvation to our land, we pray. Father, we believe you're doing it. We believe you're doing it. We ask for that. Lord, I pray for our churches today that we would not be conformed to this world. We confess so often, Lord, we try to. We want to be like Him. We think somehow the more we're like the world, the more fruitful we'll be. Help us to remember the more we're like Jesus, the more fruitful we'll be. Help us always to remember that, Lord, and to understand what you're really like and to 
live that way. Lord, we pray for these things today. I'm re reminded again, my, my good friend, the Gill family, Lord, bring comfort to them, the DeWitt family who lost their father, husband, Tommy, recently, give, bring uh, comfort to them. Lord, all today, Lord, who are suffering and illness, we pray, give them peace, give them comfort, turn their eyes to you. We pray, Lord, that, that we pray this virus would be ended in our country. We pray, Lord, that we could get back to life as normal. I look forward, Lord, to churches that are packed, no social distancing required, no mask required. We can hug one another, shake one another's hands, look one another in the eye, talk to each other. We pray for that day to return. And during this time of restriction, I pray our eyes will be turned to you. We're asking for this great revival. So we pray these things. Bless this day. Everyone who meets in church, Lord, bless them. I pray that they would they'd come back from church much better people than when they went in, more filled with faith and love, holiness, and goodness. We pray this, and we love you now. We praise your name. We worship you. You're the mighty God, and we love you greatly. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being with me today. If you're new today, welcome. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the subscribe button down below and the notify so you can always know when we're going online. We come here every, every morning at 8.30 a.m., so we'll see you tomorrow. Also, make sure and subscribe to my email newsletter. Go to my website, tomthepreacher.com, and you can subscribe there. It's very easy, and you'll, you'll get a, a daily email from me. Uh, often related to some of the things we will pray about here and talk about each day. And so you'll get some of it in writing as a good reminder for you. Uh, I hope you can make it to church today. Like I said, here in Columbus, we're on a snow emergency, so our church is canceled, but I hope you can make it. And if you are, go and encourage people. Lift people's spirits. Sing robustly. Praise the Lord with all your heart. Stick around for a while and see how you can encourage someone. You guys who are joining me on this prayer time, you're, God is building you. I've, I've said before, stick with me here for the next several months. And I, I can promise God's going to be changing your, your mind, your heart, your soul. He's going to be lifting you up. And so you've got something to offer now. So at your church, encourage people today. Uh, share the word with them. Tell them what we're doing here. Invite them to join us on this, uh, on this uh, daily word and prayer time. Let's grow our group. Help spread the word. In the meantime, God bless you. Might you be filled with grace, peace, and might you be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow, 8.30 Eastern time. God bless you.